0: episode 196 above ground podcast gonna fly now with Lou solano
1: disclaimer the hosts of this podcast will foley and tpp are not medical professionals and this is not medical advice both will and tpp have first-hand experience with mental illness they have their own perspective and own thoughts on mental health challenges above ground podcast was birthed to help those who struggle with their mental health through honest dialogue These conversations aim to break down the walls while building stronger foundations for positive mental health. By speaking openly and sharing tools, they foster connection. By fostering connection, they convey hope. With connection and hope, we can continue to increase awareness. This is Above Ground Podcast.
0: Coming at you live with real conversations about mental health from the peer perspective, it's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now your hosts, TPP and Will Foley. hey what is up everyone welcome to above ground
2: podcast above ground podcast because you can't serve below oh you know who that is you down with
1: tpp well
2: it's
0: sunday <laughs> morning buddy what's up man
2: yeah you know me yeah
0: <laughs> yes i do yes i do mr author extraordinaire this with his this, well, this, this Script coming out pretty soon. A scripture. The I don't know about
2: extraordinaire, but the it, DIY it'll be good.
0: project. That's right. That's right. You know man. it. Uh, so we are back on Zoom. Timmy so that means we must be talking to someone right
2: I believe you are correct Will
0: that's right we have a Nippertown person his name is Lou Solano and Lou had a featured blog post on the ADK sports page um, in July of 2022 and it's entitled you are not alone and in that feature he discusses his suicide attempt and the loss of his dad and the self-worth and self-love deficit that seems to weave its way into so many of us depressed individuals that attempt or live with suicidal ideation. So Lou, first, I want to say thank you for choosing to stay and taking what you've done and literally running with it and making the best (laughs) out of it, man literally and figuratively, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely, man. So why don't you tell everyone who you are and whatever you're comfortable with sharing, man?
1: Well, my name, obviously, my name is Lou. I talk about in the article, my experience starting, I'd say around 14 years ago, but my anxiety and depression was percolating prior to that, years before that. 14 years ago, I attempted suicide. It was a scary moment for me. I got scared and I didn't fully commit to it. I I literally I walked into the hospital and I checked myself in and I spent uh, a weekend in the hospital. Ever since then, ever since that that low point, I've been working on myself, working on my anxiety and depression, and one of the outlets that I've found is running. And it was really just more of a happenstance in terms of how I discovered running. I wanted to do something meaningful before I turned 30. And around that time was the uh, Boston Marathon bombing. And I decided I wanted to run a marathon. And it was... It was difficult to train for one. I don't know if you guys have ever tried it. It is it certainly takes dedication, personal dedication to, to to do it. And I will tell you that I felt such a high when I crossed that finish line. I did it before I did it a month before I had turned 30. So I I accomplished my goal um month before I was to turn 30. And I felt such a Just such a high crossing that. Actually, I I remember turning onto the last, turning onto the corner and I saw finish line. And up until then, I was basically running like an old person. I was basically just, you know, little inches of feet. My, you know, my legs were killing me. I saw the finish line. All those endorphins just kind of kicked in. I was running full stride and I crossed the finish line and I had such a high that I wanted to keep doing it. And it made me feel good. And ever since then, I've made running a part of my life. And in that time, I've also gotten to know people, a a community of good people. And when I say good people, I mean, people who are just a bright light in my life. They are people who some some know about, well, most most people now most know it through the article because I've shared I've been open with them about it but just a good special group of people that are just genuinely looking out for you and want to support you even when days are even when days are just kind of crappy as an example uh, about a year ago I was just having just a bad day and a bad week man it just nothing seemed to be going right and I've I'm with the same running group, and we were at a track doing some some workouts. And I just remember, like it was a shitty day, nothing was going right. my My watch battery had died out. I remember I just said, I said to the coach, "Like I'm done. Like I'm just done. I'm done with the practice. I'm just gonna go and I'm gonna just leave." And I got some texts from folks in the in the running group later on saying hey listen you know whatever's going on we're there for you we all get through these we we get through these we have these bad days we're we're there for you if you need anything just keep on you know we're we're going to we can work with you and i got back into it the next week i actually had the privilege of actually, of saying that to them articulating that specific moment to them saying how much that meant to me for you to reach out to me and say, you know, hey, we're here for you, no matter what, we, we, wanna, you know, we, want, we want you to be, we'll be there for you if you need us. These people, I'll honestly say, are such a bright light in my life, and I'm so grateful to have met them and to have been on this journey and ultimately shared this, this story that I, that I have, because it is personal. Thank you
0: so much, first of all, for just sharing all that and being willing to share it with us for your first time in this forum. Try, true? This is the first podcast you've done or have you done some interviews and stuff prior no, to No, this is
1: my uh, actually first ever podcast. Wow. So,
0: so thank you very much for, for allowing us to be the curators, the curators of this story, man. We take that very personally and very seriously. So it speaks volumes that were the first people so we we truly appreciate that i'm very grateful you prove that the power of willingness hope and movement can move anybody forward in their journey and on their road and on their highway i i use the highway metaphor a lot because tim likes to use the car and the motor and stuff or the motorcycle as the as the vessel and stuff and i'm curious to know what have you learned were you an athletic person prior uh, not running wise but were you athletic at all
1: <clears throat> i mean i i played soccer when i was a kid okay and um just played pickup basketball games i did crew in college okay
0: so you're an athlete you're a, you're so that is a perfect thing for you because that's what we have we have those we have those gifts that we're given that if we figure out that there are vehicles to our stability, we, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Connection, you prove that connection and
2: having a group of people together is a yeah, really that, important thing. That's what I was going to say. Is the, I noticed the, the support factor on it is, uh, is such a huge piece that, you know, I, I think some, sometimes gets lost. You know, uh, like Will said, connection is it's, it's so huge. And then to add running and the movement of the body and what that does to anxiety itself, you know, that's just like a, it's just a recipe for a yummy cookie. It
1: is. And you touched on a couple things. Talk about hope and you talk about connection. I am a huge, well, I'm a huge Marvel fan. And I don't know, have you guys ever seen the movie X-Men Days of Future Past? The basic premise is the X-Men of the future are living in a very dark future. Mutants are essentially hunted down and enslaved. There are humans who tried to help the mutants. They were also hunted down and enslaved. So the X-Men go back in time to try and change that future. There's a very poignant scene towards the middle where a young Charles Xavier, who is able to reach out to his future self, and at this point, the young Charles Xavier is a very wounded animal. He is talking to his older self, and his older self is asking him to hope again, and I I mean, I love the scene so much. I I reference it a lot to, to to people, but there there's towards the end, the older Xavier's able to show the younger Xavier, this, his students, the people, the kids that he will touch, and the hope that he can bring to them. And sometimes I feel like we want to reach out to our younger selves and say, "There's hope." There's there's reason to hope again, and it's that kind of connection that time travel isn't possible yet. Who knows? Maybe tomorrow they come up with a you know a time machine that would be awesome. Yeah, so, I, don't, I don't
0: know, uh, man. I'm not sure. Like you know, as much as life is tough. It kind yeah. of makes us who we are. And I don't know if I want to go back and change anything because we know how that works out. It changes everything. So does it change it for the better? We don't know. Or would it change it for the better? We don't know.
1: Well, that's true. But I, the point I'm trying to make with all this is we don't really have the ability to time travel and talk to our younger selves, but we do have the ability to talk to other people. And in a way, we have the ability to reach out to them and at least attempt to show them that there is hope, that you're not alone. And that even if things are down, even if, well, to, to, to borrow a quote from The Dark Knight. So there you go, Will, I've got a Batman reference for you. In the movie, The Dark Knight, there's a quote, the night is always darkest just before the dawn. And I promise you, The dawn is coming and it's that kind of hope. It's not, it's not, it's not going to be easy. It, it, it never is. And life is never a straight line. It sometimes it takes you right back to where you started and you hit that point maybe several times before you go off on a different path. But there is hope out there because human beings can move forward if we choose to, and we can Reach out to people here and now and say, "Hey, you know, I've been through this." One of the things I got—I've got a few emails from random people about my article, and the general theme was, "I I understand what you went through." The the analogy about anxiety and feeling like you're drowning, the analogy about depression being just this heavy weight on your mind and body—people can empathize with that. People can understand that. So. The hope is that we can't we can reach out to other people and say there is hope. It may not seem it, but but trust me, there is hope out there.
2: It's funny that you bring up uh, that little piece of the article, because uh, that's one thing that I I remember from it was you said uh, something like anxiety can rush back in like like a tidal wave and depression can sneak up on you and snatch you like a predator. That to me is a, a very well put. Sentence to to kind of you know describe these these feelings and these things that we are dealing with.
1: It is like a sometimes it's like a snake. It just kind of you know just slithers around and you don't realize it until it's got you wrapped around. It's not for those people. For those people who, who may not have been dealing with this, my hope is that folks read this and and take those analogies and empathize with individuals who are dealing with any type of mental illness. One of the things that I read about or heard is that millennials and generations forward are more apt to being open about mental health. They're more open to seeking out therapists or other forms of therapy. They're more open to talking about it. And I think it's, it's wonderful that my generation and subsequent generations are more open to it my only concern about the way it's being talked in some corners right now is that it comes off as a knock against somebody and regardless of how you feel somebody with dementia is suffering from you know an illness and it's not just that person it's the family that's that's you know working through it as well and it is just something that you know, when it's talked about in the sense as a knock against somebody or as a pejorative or something that's, you know, bad, then that's when the conversation turns away from what it should be, which is, these are people, these are people that have to deal that have to to have to work through this stuff. And these are families that have to work through this stuff, and show some empathy and show some compassion. Because if we just see it as a, an adjective, then it just becomes you know it become, it become it doesn't become a mental illness it becomes just a knock against somebody and it, and and it doesn't help the conversation i think that mental illness is something we as a society should continue to talk about in a, in a you know in a proper way in a positive way this person needs help let's get it's a you know this person needs help, let's get them help, but they're people.
2: Lou, you mentioned uh, the snake a little while ago. Do you think that knowing the snake and and getting yourself familiar, familiar with that snake can help with these conversations and not only help with these conversations, but help with your further progress
1: within? I think it does. It certainly takes time to understand. It certainly takes time to understand it. It takes... A certain degree of being able to step outside of yourself and realize, hey, I'm, uh, I'm feeling kind of down right now, or I've been, I've been really like just showing, you know, I've been really like depressed these last, you know, last three weeks or whatever. It takes a certain degree. It takes time. It's something again uh, for your listeners or for anyone who suffers or who you know anyone out there whether you suffer from mental illness or not, it's something that it takes time. It takes a certain degree of of recognizing it, but, you know, we can get there. We can get to that. You can get to that point where you're able to, you know, have a support system that you may not recognize it, but they would, and they can help you in a positive way. Recognition. And the willingness to acknowledge
0: it are really big hurdles for a lot of people, especially people with severe persistent mental illness who have who have been, you know, hospitalized for many, many, many times over. And it's difficult for people to recognize that they're having a hard time let alone having sometimes the language to discuss it and tim and i talk at length about language and right here in front of me i include this in everything i have it on my desks and stuff is a list of positive and negative emotions from ByronKaty's thework.com and that is one of the most exhaustive list of emotions i've ever had and me having those lists taught me different languages how did you when did you and where did you develop your language for being able to discuss discuss this was it in your ed, self education were you did you study any of this in college
1: i would say it would have to be it would have been in the settings of therapy one is the the therapist would recognize the the language that i would use and i would use similes and metaphors Instead of exact words, and the therapist would be able to clue into that and be able to work with me on that. Some people are visual people, some people are auditory. It, it part of it is the therapist itself, and that's why in the article I, I say, Keep if you feel like you're not getting the results, like if you feel like you're not getting the results, then talk to the therapist. If you you still don't get those right results, find the right therapist. The right therapist is out there. You just have to keep looking. And that's the tough part is keep going. Barriers
0: are always there. And you talk about finding the right therapist. And Tim and I have much experience now with switching therapists because of all kinds of issues and we talk about how finding the right therapist is super important, and don't ever feel as if you're stuck with one therapist. But what happens to to people though if they fall into that in between time and they and they start to fall down? Like, what is what is a suggestion that you can offer them when they're when that barrier keeps coming up? Because if you really want help, and that barrier already is to seeking help, you're already up against a tidal wave that boy you're not going to have a, you're going to have a hard time staying on your board
1: well that's a good question will and I'll be honest with you I don't know the answer to that and not sure if you hear I don't know a lot but it's it's a, it's an answer I'm not afraid to give people if they ask me
0: I say it all the time man not to cut you off I yeah. I've learned in my 50 years of going around this planet Is that I know way less than I ever thought I knew, and there's always something to learn, man. And there's always something
1: to learn about yourself too. If there is one consistent recommendation that all of my therapists have asked me to do is to journal, and I'm not a big writer, even though I did write that article, but uh, I am—I'm a visual person. If 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 writing doesn't work. Maybe drawing. Sometimes uh, therapists ask, may ask you to draw things, and those are your drawings, and they're they're done just in in downtime. Just draw them and look at them, and you know, question it. Just look at it. Don't you don't have to come up, feel like you come up with an ex- an answer. But uh, I would say if you know that would be one that would be a recommendation. Again, I'm not a professional, but. That's one thing my therapists throughout my time have suggested is to either write or draw. I
2: think journaling is is probably one of the best things that that one can do whether, you know, whether they use it as as writing for an article or wh- whatever it is, but if you're if you want to, you know, if you have a goal of improving yourself or or whatever goal that is that you have, journaling is definitely one tool that can get you to that goal. That's uh, Will had mentioned, um, I have a book that is probably going to be out around the time that this comes out. And that's how that whole process started for me was journaling. And I just would journal and journal. and That's how I would learn. Like, you know, you both were saying, I don't know the answers. Well, that's the same thing Is I would stand up and admit, I don't know. Like, so I would try to, get these thoughts out onto paper to kind of clean up that mental clutter and and the process of doing that to try and learn and connect more dots as to why how you know so forth you also process in the brain a
0: different part of the brain when you write as opposed to hearing it's processed differently so i actually had real-time experience with this with my daughter over the summer because writing helps me too and I she was trying to learn some lines from a play that she was in and I told her why don't you write out all the things that you need to learn because her dialogue wasn't massive so and I said you'll learn it better and she did It literally like and I kept trying to tell her that you process it differently in your brain when you write and see it and it, it expresses differently and you say you're not a writer but I will say you have a natural gift and an eloquent way of of, dis, of describing your emotions. And you talk, you say you talk about metaphors and I've learned as a paraprofessional in the mental health field that metaphors are actually one of the best ways to describe things to people because people understand those concepts. Did you do a lot of writing? You didn't do any writing? Did you do like a little bit of writing? I mean, you have to do writing in college, obviously,
1: but I didn't know if you had. I, you know, I did, uh, I- You know, obviously, the classes I took in college and high school, I had basically you wrote when you had to wrote, wrote. I did have I did have a an English teacher. She was my English teacher my freshman and senior year, and I do remember her telling me. Believe it, I think it was freshman year. I had written something, and she had said something to the effect that I. My writing is like that of an old soul. And I thought that was, you know, that was a wonderful compliment. That's, that's as far as I really, you know, in feedback that I've gotten to, to my writing. But I'm a, visual, again, I'm a visual person. So I'm going to like, there are going to be pictures that show up in my head. And that's how I'm going to describe it that's awesome well obviously you you talk about comic books and
0: you talked about like the Marvel stuff with a passion because I could see it in your eyes so <laughs> I get why you're visual do you notice that your creative juices start to flow more after a run or does the or do you
1: actually use running
0: as a way to be creative
1: neither to be honest with you creativity for me just happens it just comes to me. This article, I had never sat down and put on paper the last 14 years, until uh, two friends of mine, one of them is he's a runner, he's deaf, and another is an interpreter for him. Uh, The interpreter friend had written an article about him and his friend and and my friend um, experience running the Boston Marathon and it just struck me that hey this would make this would be this is something that I want to do I want to share my story because they had he had written that article I thought this would be great I I, I could write an article and I was sort I was it was sobering at the end when I read the article that I had written not the the final draft but I mean just the Just what I put down on paper it was very sobering to look back and say, wow, in 14 years, I had highs, I had lows, I false starts, stumbled, but I kept getting back up and I kept pushing forward and I kept just trying to reach that, that light that I saw. And so I would say creativity just comes for me, but everybody's different. You talk about running; I mean, talk about walking. Uh, I was—I I do uh, a Zoom meeting with with a men's group, and we talk about our feelings and how we're doing, not just like you know the typical, oh, uh, you know, macho man, I'm I'm a tough guy, but also sad moments, happy moments. And I was talking to one of the guys about my article and he said, you know, he said, I, you know, for me, it's my outlet is making music and, or writing comedy. So for, for anyone that, that reads this, it running may not be for you. It's whatever you're, you're, you enjoy. It's whatever gets you going. And that is Really, I guess the point that I hope people realize: uh, Hey, it'd be awesome if if everyone started running, we'd all be healthy, and and there'd be tons of people at, at these five Ks. But for some people, running isn't ever is, isn't their cup of tea, and that's that's great because you know what, you like something else. Maybe and some you enjoy, people can't run. Some people yeah. just
2: you know physically can't. So yeah, I I agree. I think uh, you know to f- we we talked. I believe we had an episode actually um, back a month or so ago, 175, where we talked about um, getting help, you know, message in a bottle. And we talked about doing, you know, finding the activities that bring you joy and, and pursuing those activities. Do you have anything besides running that you kind of turn to
1: in general or just for mental health?
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. For mental health, you know, anything that, you know, I guess
0: this is, I just, sorry, Timmy, I didn't want to cut you off. I just wanted to make this point. Everything that we do affects our mental health. There's no separation. Yeah. Yeah, There's no separation.
2: That's what I was going to say. General is mental health. Everything's mental health for me. So um, everything we do, everything we say, everything we say to ourselves, it affects it. So
1: music. I enjoy music, listening to music, playing music sometimes. With with every, with COVID, not necessarily over, but it's not like it was, you know, two years ago, things are starting to open back up. One of the first things that I did when I could was just give somebody a hug. Uh, that was, I was uh, my friend. We actually, it's funny, my friend and I, we had the same birthday, different year, but same birthday. And they had invited me over to... Uh, her and her wife had invited me over to their house for Easter. And she was the first person I ever gave a hug to. This was, I don't know, this was like a year after they had shut everything down. I I can't remember, but just uh, being around people that I enjoy. Again, my friend and I, who we have the same birthday, we go to this place in the capital region that'll give you the same number of wings as your birthday. So last year, we had close to 80 wings between the two of us. Luckily, we had other people to help us because there's no way like two people can, can seriously down 80 wings, at least not without calling an ambulance. <laughs> um, being around people, just being around people that are talking to people, not necessarily about how you're feeling, but just about random stuff. I One person that I, I miss every day is my dad. And he was my first best friend. And it's it was sad when he when he passed away. And he was someone I always enjoyed. I do not have one regrettable moment that I in you know in my life with him. Not one regrettable moment. I'm, that's how much of a bright light that he was and he still is in my life. And I used to just enjoy talking politics with him. We would talk about this or that. And we were sort of on the same wavelength. Not exactly. We would disagree. I actually remember when um, he, at his wake, uh, he had done something for a political party, getting uh, Hispanics to register to vote because he believed, you know, his, his belief was you know, bring people to the table, bring these people to the table so that they have a voice. And I remember talking to one of the folks that he worked with. And they she said, you know, I could disagree with your father, but still come away his friend. And this was 2019. And I was just blown away. I was like, wow, that is just like a rarity right now. Having Having him in my life was a big, big help and a bright light. And he still is, even after even even three years, three and a half years that he's he's been gone. It's just those moments. You just make make those moments. You have the ability to make those moments with special people. You have the ability to that you can't make up. You just can't make up.
2: Yeah, it goes back to kind of uh, wrapping it up to the connection side of things. You know, it's it's that connection as humans. We we all crave. And before I forget. I do want to thank Julie because she made the connection to make this happen. So uh, thanks, Jules, the
1: Witch. It was uh, actually a happenstance. I thanks Jules. Have a pinched nerve. I was well. I was uh, dealing with a pinched nerve, and I was sitting in the waiting room. And I started talking to her, and somehow a conversation had gotten to the article I had written. And then she gave me your card, and I don't. I don't believe in coincidences. The universe doesn't operate in coincidences. And so thank you, Julie, for uh, for the happenstance. Obviously, a pinched nerve is not a good way to go about meeting somebody. Uh, anybody who has suffered from a pinched nerve, they know it's just fucking painful. But hey, something good came out of it. And I'm much better now. So, uh, I just wanted to say uh, you
0: made me tear up with your story of your dad. And I saw that in the article, how close you two were, man. And, and I just wanted to say thank you for
1: that. <laughs> I will not underestimate the impact that he had in my life. And I believe with every fiber of my being, that with every cell in my body, that the people that love us never stop looking out for us even after they're gone. And there were so many not just in that one anecdote uh with my dad, but just sometimes like i'll I'll look up in the sky and I'll just say, uh thanks, Dad that's it just I'll look up and i'll and I'll see him, and I'll just say thanks dad i i I love you and so I don't think those connections go away, and grief is is for me, grief was a way to kind of really crack me open. I had been a person that was very closed off to people, closed off to myself even. And his he had cancer. And you want to talk about a, a person who was very strong. He... He fought for three and a half years and he fought, he was like for three years, he was like the Terminator. The man, you wouldn't know that he was sick unless you actually knew he was sick. I would call him up. He would do his chemo on Thursday or Friday. I'd give him the weekend to kind of relax or whatever. I'd call him up on Monday or Tuesday. Hey, dad, how's it going? Oh, yeah. Hey, Louie. I'm out here raking the leaves or doing some or mowing the lawn, whatever. It's just, you know, he, he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to let something like this affect him in a way that he, it wouldn't make him not him. It would make him someone he's not. And so his, his illness and, and, and the grief that I suffered afterwards was, of course i you know it couldn't have it couldn't have happened it didn't happen any other way obviously i wish it would have been something completely different something more benign but this is the way that it had to happen and you know my connection to him is it's it's always going to be there he's always going to be this bright light it's just now it's my turn to be that bright light for for other people that he was for me.
0: And yeah, now it's your turn to reflect back to the world what he reflected to you. I love it. That was so eloquently put, man. See, there you go. You need to write another article. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so Lou, we always wrap up with three questions. And the first question for you is, do you have a favorite? Or a least favorite
1: word? Well, I'm just disappointed that we're wrapping up. I was hoping we can go on for hours. <laughs> favorite word. I'm going to plural words. It's two. Love and hope. That's it. Love and hope.
0: Do you have a least favorite word?
1: I wouldn't say it's a least favorite word, but it's more of just people's, in, uh, just the way people had their inflections the way they talked now let me give you an example here don't be a pussy i hate that phrase absolutely hate that phrase in
0: that's a great one man nobody has ever said that that is that's a cool one and and a phrase like that's that's like that's awesome that you said that yeah
1: i absolutely hate that no one in my experience has ever used that in a uplifting or positive way it's always been Just in a negative, bullying... By the way, I hate bullies. Negative, bullying, just beating you down kind of way. So that phrase, I absolutely, I hate it. Absolutely hate it. What is on your running soundtrack? What is on on my running soundtrack? Mother Nature. I don't run with earbuds or an iPod or any music. I run when I do any... When I run with groups or a person, com- we just converse as much as we can. sometimes long distances, you uh, it's difficult. When I'm in the ra- when I'm on races, it's the crowds. it's the it's the crowds the, like I talk about, the crowds, the the complete strangers that are cheering you on that want to see you get to the finish line. And there and I'll be honest, with you, there have been times where I've been running half marathons, where I feel like I just want to quit. Like I'm I'm I've got to mile five. I'm just gonna walk off and quit. But it's just the crowd just keep it going. The impromptu bands that show up, I mean, because they're every, they're everywhere at, at the big races, the marathons, half marathons. I do the Utica Boilermaker. There's people with bands and they're they're playing music, rock music, whatever. You know, That's what gets me going. That's my soundtrack right there. Not and not it's the I... world. I kind of wanted
0: to bring it back to that because that's about presence and stuff. So you're pr- very present. Is I there's I kind of had two questions and it's kind of I just kind of wanted to piggyback on it. Do you have obviously music is pretty important to you and and you have the you mentioned the Rocky theme in the article which I I have a really deep connection to Rocky. Rocky was like the second movie I ever saw in the movie theater when it originally came out, and it it has gotten me through a lot of dark times in my life.
2: So if there was something that you could do or would like to see done for mental health as a whole without any kind of restraint, what would it be?
1: I might have alluded to this earlier, but changing the way people talk about mental health and I'll get somewhat political here. So bear with me. There's been a lot of talk in the last six, eight years about, the mental health of various presidents. And my big concern is regardless of who you support or who you're against, my concern is the way it's being talked about in the national news is in a way that it's just, it's not helping the conversation. It's, it, it becomes, it's becoming sort of, again, as I go back to it, a knock against somebody. And I do agree that if you're in a in certain positions, mental health, your mental health is important, but it's becoming sort of trivialized. And I worry about the people who actually do suffer from dementia and the families who have to work with that, because these are, these are at the end of the day, regardless of who you're talking about, you're still talking about a human being when you make it, it when you make it a knock against somebody it just it doesn't help the conversation
0: well you having conversation and you writing what you wrote and us having these conversations helps helps flip that on its actually helps knock that on its ass because yeah. that's you know that like i scream it loud and proud every day man i you know i i wear it on my sleeve it's tattooed on me it's it's a part of me it's a part of us it's what we do and Ain't nobody gonna tell me about anything that they're gonna shove their opinion down my throat because yeah. just it just adds to more of the same shit and that's why you just gotta pull yourself away. Eloquently said and your words, uh, please go read the article. I'm going to embed the article link in the show notes and you'll be able to find it. You can go to adksports.com. It's on the July 2022 running page.
1: Lou, it's been a pleasure meeting you, man. Well, I just wanted to take a moment to dedicate this not just this pod, this podcast, this conversation to a group of people in my life. You know who you are. You are a great a wonderful group of people. You you're just the you're just the best thing that's happened to me in my life thus far. And so this whole podcast, I want to dedicate to each of you. So thank you. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Timmy, what another
0: amazing conversation, man. It's, we're, we're so lucky to have people be able to come on and share and be willing to share what they share, man.
2: That's right. Let's talk mental health, man.
0: Spread Absolute, it. Everyone has mental health, man. Everyone, Go regardless ahead. of whether you pay attention to it or not. So until next time, get well.
2: Be safe. Stay above. Above. Thank you for giving us a listen. New episodes every Wednesday. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can share, rate, review, and even subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Other ways to support the show? Follow us on social media. Share the content. Share our episodes. You can also buy us a coffee